It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, and you're listening to episode 597 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 48 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. This is Julia. I'm Brodor. Two things real quick on Fear the Con, outside of, of course, the fact that Fear the Con is still happening, fearthecon.com, coming up June 16th, 17th, and 18th. But the two announcements we have for it is, first of all, we are still looking for some more games. We have, at this point, a little bit of a disproportion between players and GMs, so we could use some more events, some more GMs. So if you're interested in doing that or able to do that, please go out to fearthecon.com and sign up to run some games. Brodor, post your damn backer game. I know. Come on, dude. I've failed on every count, so everyone knows. You know what? You're right. I need to post it. I... You're right. For yeah. anyone that no backs the Kickstarter at a level that gets you a game, all of those games are posted except for Brodor's. Except for the Slot 6 Saturday Night Brodor's patented, you tell me, system, Thundercats Catsploitation. Oh, boy. In which I will be playing an NPC. Oh, nice. Can yes. I just be there? Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Though, if you participate or observe, expect a Brodor game and all of that's glory. No, no. So, Kids aren't allowed at night. No, no, yeah, no. 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 <laughs> it's, a bad, it's a bad idea to have anybody with any sort of maturity or sense of decency near my table. Yeah. But I have already posted three games I'm running. I may drop a fourth. I'm still trying to trickle mine out so folks have a chance to sign up. But once again... If you are able to GM and you are coming, please do not hesitate to post a game. The second thing is on June 16th, we mentioned before that we will be getting a comedy show from Mikey Mason. If you're not familiar with his stuff, it is a variety of gamer, geek, and general life humor. He is awesome to watch live. And I love him personally. Well, yeah. And I think his stuff like on Bandcamp and YouTube is great. Yeah. But I think his actual shows are better because of the way he fills in the spaces and improvs. It's always better live. Yes. Absolutely. He feeds off of the crowd and it brings this energy. Yeah. Yeah. I know that tribalism is supposed to be wrong. But Mikey's one of us, right? I mean, he is a member of the tribe. He is a gamer and he loves it and he loves us. And I don't know. I mean, you go to some shows and I know that this is I'm 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 hyping our thing, but you go to some shows and you feel a barrier between audience and performer. And I don't know, it's just like you're hanging out with the guy on stage. Yeah, yeah actually, one of the first times I met Mikey was at a convention and I totally drank with him for like the rest of the night. So maybe it's more that he's just attainable. Yeah. You know I mean? he's yeah. Just like an it's attainable like the most attractive guy. quality like, in a woman is availability. <laughs> right. So you might. <laughs> oh, great. Mikey is attainable. Yeah, like yeah, he's no. just so <laughs> huggable and amazing. <laughs> but the other thing is we do have the funds. We will be catering the wing night. Now we're still working out the details, but that social mixer where Mikey's going to be performing there will be wings and other such stuff that are going to be available that night. We have found somebody who's prepared to cater it and is willing to work within the money that we're prepared to spend. And I might get another cake this year, like we did that one year, and I'll try to get a gluten-free and a vegan options. I'm allowed to purchase four ounces a month 
My email is brodor at goinfo.org. I'll be taking orders. Wow. <laughs> that's probably criminal. So yeah. we're just going to say yeah. that's satire and humor. I meant four ounces of powdered donuts. Yes. I'm not yeah. making pot brownies, is my point. Four ounces of potpourri. <laughs> So, How about this? Like, well, I should like do a Kickstarter where, well, it wouldn't be a Kickstarter, but an incentive that the next two people who sign up their games, not including this one sitting to the right of me named Brodor, I will personally make cupcakes for. Oh, I like that. I'll do like a half a dozen. Right, right. Just don't advertise anything drug related. No. Once again, that is pure satire and humor. We absolutely would never do or encourage any of those things. Allegedly. Allegedly. So I'll so, post it in Discord. I'll, I'll make the next two people who sign up as a GM for a game. They're a favorite flavor cupcakes. You yeah. could literally pick whatever you want and I'll make them for you. I'm not ready to give times yet on it. So we will get back to you yeah. on what time, like 7 p.m., 6.30, whatever. Okay. But we'll you, get back to you on Sometime that. Thursday evening, yeah. evening to night relatively on the early side if we're talking night right so for the wing night right yep. yeah all right so let's dig into today's topic and i've got to be careful on this because one of the things that we've always held to as a parameter of doing this show is we do not use it as a bully pulpit to put anyone on blast or potentially embarrass anyone yeah. typically if we're telling a story about something where somebody did something less than positive at a game it's us we're the ones that screwed up yes we bash ourselves far more than we bash anyone else and i'm not sure i want to call this bashing so much as critique or frustration but when we do critique or feel frustration towards someone that is not on the show we're always fairly careful to hide their identity and launder the description of the game or even the time frame it happened like sometimes a game will happen we'll be like let's write that down and come back to it in three months so nobody makes a connection that this is what we're talking about because once again we're not trying to embarrass you it's just not what we do we're not a show that thrives on that so there is something i want to talk about that came up within my gaming experience over the past several months and I'm going to make up a story to describe the concept because I don't want to use the real story. And it is not only this GM that has done it. I have seen it from other GMs. If I was to think back far enough, though it would be early in my career, I have probably done this myself. So this is not me doing a wide fire attack on anyone. This is just a frustration that I notice that sometimes game masters become so fixated on something that is or is not in their mind plausible in the game that in the process they forget the game they're supposed to be running or perhaps put another way the game they're not supposed to be running what their game is not about let me give an example here and once again i'm just making this up from the top of my head but let's say you're playing in a D&D game and there's a cave and inside of this cave is a dragon. Now, we don't know how the dragon got in there because there's no huge opening to this cavern. It's the old they were brought in as an egg and the dragon hatched and has lived all its life in here. Or maybe it polymorphs to get in and out. Who knows? It doesn't matter for this example. I'm sad if it's dragon already. But... <laughs> But the point is, though, that the only entrance you can find to this cave 
is a tiny little entrance that's like three feet in diameter. And so the typical humanoid can squeeze through it, but if somebody's wielding weirdly bulky armor or they're a larger race, you know, you're allowing them to play some splat book race or something like that. A half orc even. Yeah, a half orc even, I think it would be fair to question, especially if they're wearing armor with big shoulder pauldrons or something. Can they fit through this? So all of a sudden, the nature of the game is you say, well, there's this tiny little hole into the dragon cave. And when you pass through the hole, you're in some kind of antechamber to the cave where the dragon doesn't see you. And there's no minions there. In fact, there's nothing in this antechamber at all. So how quickly you get in and out of this hole is immaterial to the rest of the game. And the game itself is about fighting this dragon and getting its treasure hoard or freeing its slaves or stopping it from menacing a nearby town or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But all of a sudden you start to say, well, wait a minute. Within this group, there's five player characters. One of you is a halfling, so you squeeze right through. Two of you are basically average humans, so you squeeze right through. But one of you is a half-orc, and one of you is, I don't know, something really weird, like a furbolg or a half-ogre or something like yeah, that. there's a giant race of some kind in 5e. I don't remember what it is. There's the a goliath. Couple, yeah, the yeah, goliath. Yeah, there's, there's actually a couple of them. But you basically say, well, these two individuals cannot get through. Okay, if this is a central point of your plot, that might be an interesting conundrum to solve. For example, if you're playing a game of Shadowrun and you're trying to flee a corporate building before corporate security responds, if there's six of you and the fire escape is so narrow you can only go down one at a time, well, that is an integral part of the plot. That's a good part of the tension and storytelling. But in the case of the dragon, it doesn't matter, right? Once again, the antechamber has nothing in it. And so you just lay out this difficulty Oh, there's a three-foot diameter hole, and two of you can't fit through. And you're like, okay, can we use a stone shape spell? Well, no, no one at the table has stone shape. Okay, well, can we take a pickaxe and widen this hole? No, because doing that would wake up the dragon. Okay, well, we have a potion of shrink. Well, there's an anti-magic sphere or whatever. I'm just making crap yeah. up. So just like pulling stuff And up so it just doesn't work. Do it. Yeah. 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 That's where the problem comes in. Like presenting the situation, I think, is perfectly fine. Yeah, but letting your but, players solve it yeah, is important. If you get a bunch of suggestions for we could do this, we could do that, and all of them are told no, it's just frustrating for the players. You have to know that the players are getting frustrated and it's not fun anymore. Yes, Exactly. And that was what I ran into in this game, was we had a relatively banal situation that was not critical to the plot, did not figure into the tension of the situation. It was a completely superfluous exercise, but it got drug out into an hour and a half or two hour ordeal of us trying to solve a non-problem simply because the GM, A, created an obstacle that B, within the self-inflicted parameters the GM had created, and let me stress self-inflicted, none of the solutions we had would work. I think one thing I might do as a player after I started getting frustrated 
would be to ask the GM, can I roll intelligence to come up with an idea that would work? Keeping in mind that the GM might have an idea in their head that this is the one thing that will work that the players are obviously never going to pick up on. Okay, let me make the situation worse. Now, this did not happen, but I'm just going to add this in there because I have seen this in previous run-ins with this problem. Let's say you roll that intelligence check and you fail it. Well, I guess we're at a stalemate here. Because I'm the one rolling. Let's go home. Yeah, and so once again, the GM is very woodenly literal about the situation, is not willing to hand wave for some reason. And all of a sudden they say, well, you know what? You rolled a three. That's not enough. You don't figure this out. And so we're back at trying to squeeze a Titan or what was the race? Goliath. Goliath. I'm sorry. I'm all messed up here on my nouns. Nominal aphasia. Look it up if you really want to know. I think at that point we're going to find a gnome to build us a car so we can drive to Chicago. Wow. (laughs) So there's a lot to unpack here. First and foremost, is it impediment for the sake of impediment? Meaning, is the game master on some kind of trip where they're just exacting power over the table and these are my hoops and you're going to jump through them yeah like almost a railroad situation yeah. Yeah. Is, is that i have seen that in this case no that was not the okay. issue now i think that's worth noting though yeah because there have been situations where i felt like the gm wanted to railroad people to a particular solution or felt like an obvious solution was too easy and therefore wanted to kick the can farther down the road simply to make it harder because they felt embarrassed by how easy. Yeah, it was too easy and too obvious a solution of there's a guy in your way. Well, we walk around him. Yeah. It's like, well, wait a minute. Okay, that was not what I wanted for this encounter. So now I have to railroad. The hallway's too narrow for that. There's no side corridors. You can't go up in the ceiling for this reason because I want to force you to encounter that guy. And if that's the case, I would fall back to the good old three clue rule, which I'll link in the show notes. But I don't think that was a situation here. When I've seen something like this happen, it's been one of two things. Either there is a inherent miscommunication and the GM thinks there's something really obvious that you're not picking up on. Yes. Or the other one, the GM was just a little bit too clever for their own good and created the situation and then realized they had no idea how to get out of it. And they didn't want to give in to the ideas that the players were giving because it wasn't internally consistent for them. Now, I will admit, probably one of the reasons I don't GM is that I tend to plan. Yeah. And if you don't follow my plan, it's hard for me to um, backtrack or change my plans. Right. It's part of my personality flaw in my life. Yeah. So that's and so I I totally get it. I rarely have an idea of how to get around a situation. I will throw out the problem and then I'll listen to their ideas and pick whichever one's the best one. Bingo. It's not my 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 personality. That works if you're willing to accept an outside idea. I have done that in my own role playing games where I have created a problem I don't know how to solve. And you let them solve it. But ultimately I do want them to get past this. Right. Yeah. I am willing to admit that a table of five to six people are going to be more clever than me as one person running the game because there's five or six minds all working on the problem. I think I probably fall into it because of the same reason you were talking about where I have a guy there and they find a way around and my planner brain is like, no, 
you have to talk to this person. So like, that's like where I fall in. Like, that's my harsh. So I fall somewhere in between between the two of you. Yeah. And so for me, and it is, I'm a slow learner. I'm a late bloomer. That's not me being self-deprecating. It's just true. And for me, what it took me a long time to do, and I just had this recently with a role-playing game that I'm running and one of my friends couldn't show up to a session and I had a thing planned. What I try to do is treat everything modular. So I know that my buddy Brent was going to miss this last game. The way I designed this scene that revolved around his character, I can fit it wherever. This encounter with this bad guy, there were five or six or seven different scenarios that I could see it leading to. So when I'm doing game prep, I have ideas and I have scenes that I love and that I'm married to and that I want to run and that I rehearse in my head that I may never get to. But I try to design things in a way so that if they do circumvent me or they do deviate and go to a different plan, I still have that thing in my back pocket that I can try to fit elsewhere Elsewhere. in the game. My biggest weakness when I do that, I'm a cliffhanger GM. I want to end just about every session on a a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. And then I will come up with this beautiful cliffhanger and I will lay it on them. And they don't get there. No. And it will require (laughs) one person. And then the moment I'm done, the person will be like, oh, by the way, I can't make it next week. Oh, Uh, sure. See, the reason I say that this is, again, one of the reasons I'm GM. (laughs) I was the one who skipped ahead in the Choose Your Own Adventure story is to make sure I was choosing the right adventure. I just Uh, not. There's no, that's the the biggest (laughs) lesson that I've ever learned as a gamer, though, is that there is no right answer there's no correct yeah there's plausible and implausible as long as we're having fun and the narrative's progressing i I, and maybe it's my gaming experience is different maybe i I haven't had a gm who's presented that type of thought process right i don't know sure you know because like you know you have your gaming groups and you have your styles. No, you but I'm, I mean? that, like, I'm yeah. that guy, and I was that oh, game no, master so for the bad. for the longest, longest time. Yeah. I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, but I, I'd be worried that I would do exactly what you're saying because, like, again, I'm such a planner. So when you're talking about that situation to me, it's like it, it worries me that that is maybe the mentality of somebody who puts you in that situation. Yeah, is that they they definitely have a plan in place and they want you guys to follow it, but they're not necessarily good at getting you there i'd probably be better at getting you there right like i would have a way to do it but i would also feel terrible because i'd be well, kind of railroaded and, and let me put a bit of a pivot here because in thinking about this i came up with at least in broad categories two different reasons this might occur reason one is the one we're talking about yeah. over planning railroading that you had a situation that you wanted to be solved a certain way or in a certain context, that's not happening. You have failed at the three clue rule. And so the people at the table are not picking up what the heck it is you want them to do. And it just creates a frustrating situation all around the table. Mm-hmm. But there's a second scenario. And this second scenario is what I think. And I'm not a mind reader, but this is what I think was happening in this game. There's a problem. And for some reason... The game master fixates on this problem, even though it's not an important part of their plot. It's not railroady in the sense they don't have any particular solution in mind. 
it's not like they wanted there to be an encounter here or this was supposed to be a big puzzle. This is just a random speed bump on the road of life that may not have even appeared in their game notes. But when you hit it, when you come up against it, for some reason of very wooden thinking or whatever the issue is internally, they cannot picture a particular solution working. Or stated another way, they believe that this problem should represent X units of difficulty. I don't know how you measure difficulty. Somebody's probably come up with a mathematical unit for it. But this situation ought to be X difficulty to solve. Mm -hmm. That it ought to require a very narrow solution, even though in truth, it's not part of the railroad. This was nowhere on the map of the tracks. But when you get there, it just does not make sense to them that the ticket taker along the way, who was a non-entity when they were planning this game, would accept your ticket for some completely immaterial reason in terms of the broader game plot. And or they want this circumstance, once they have stated it, to have a certain degree of difficulty to solve. And so rather than scrolling back and seeing the big picture of the train ride isn't my game. My game was where the train ride started and where they're arriving. It's in the, t- the two towns, you know, starting town and the ending town. The train is just how they're getting between the towns. But they fixate on this point and say, well, I just can't imagine your solution working. So even though the situation or the problem itself is immaterial or is effectively meaningless, they begin to really, to borrow a word from my sister, perseverate on the fact that Good you word. are not doing something they can plausibly see working to get through this three-foot diameter hole. So we've established that the Game Master has fixated on a solution that the players are not devising. Or at, any rate, the intention. or at any rate has fixated on an unknown but acceptable solution that the players have not yet measured up to. They don't know what they're looking for, but they know they haven't heard it yet. I can tell you from my personal experience that this is a difficult conversation to have in the moment at the table and to not have passion come out in my voice, but... That's a situation where if I'm in a more reasonable mindset, I would want to look at the game master and say, hey, so and so, you know, look, man, we've been here for almost two hours trying to figure out what the solution to the small hole problem is. And we haven't. And dude, you've got to give us a bone, man. I mean, we're dying here. 100%. That is the right answer. That is the correct answer is. Have a conversation person to person and With say... With your hand on your head saying this is out of character. Yeah, right. you know, out of character. Yeah. We're enjoying this game. We are stuck at this. We need some assistance. Yeah. Now, that's not actually going to happen. Well, that's no, the right answer. Because, yeah, because standing outside this hole for two hours fucking sucks. <laughs> it's infuriating. And there yeah. you are sitting as the lord of your little fiefdom telling me no, 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 no boner and just beat me off behind your screen because you're all on your goddamn power trip 
But no, that's not how you handle it. You handle it the way I said the first time. I'm not sure I'd go that far. <laughs> but Good Lord, how much of that is getting blocked? Yeah, but oh, probably most of <laughs> most it. Most of it. But, but certainly, I don't know if it's a power trip. I don't think it's a power trip. No, no I, I don't. I, but I it's think it's not always a power trip. Yeah. It's probably because yeah. I will caveat when you're done. I will give my two cents. But I, I do think it is an unhealthy fixation on the micro such that you lose track of the macro you know one of the things i think i've said on this podcast i've certainly said off the podcast many times over is i have listened to a lot of versions of the newlywed not so newlywed game or if you're not familiar with that it's a game where you have a crowd of people and this could be a cruise or a church or a school group or whatever and when i say school group i'm talking about like a parents fundraiser or something and you look for the people who are most recently married and the people who are married the longest, and you give them a bunch of trivia questions about each other. What's his favorite color? What's the one shirt you have that she doesn't like? Blah, blah, blah. And when they get to the older couples and ask them, so what's the secret to making a marriage last 50, 60 years? They always answer the same way. after no. Oh. Don't sweat the little things. Oh. Learn to let stuff go. Yeah. Because you lose track of the big things because you're so fixated on the little, little things. things. One of the things <laughs> that Amy, my girlfriend's mom, said that I found really fascinating, because obviously they're quite a bit older and have been married a very long time, I think like 53 years now. And one of the things that she said is she said, you know, people talk about how there's good and bad days. But she said, let me tell you, they're good and bad weeks. They're oh, good and bad yeah. months. She said, there are good and bad decades. Yeah. How many people would stick through a decade of a rough spot in a relationship? Yet here they are 53 years later. And these people are what most people aspire to. They're the elderly couple still holding each other's hands and flirting on a park bench. Okay, and but to get there, they had to get through the big picture of life that most people don't have a tolerance for. Now, that soapbox aside, I think that's what happens is people begin to major in the minors. They get so fixated on a detail of the moment that they lose sight of the fact that this is not what the story is yeah, about. Getting into the antechamber. It's not even the big thing. Yeah. So now that we've said what the correct answer of having the conversation is, now's my passive aggressive advice. Well, yeah. So this is for mature people, yeah. including the GM being mature enough to receive feedback. Yeah. So right. instead of that, we're all sitting around. We can't get in. It's like, okay, guys, let's go back to the inn. Let's have dinner. Have some beer. Let's hire somebody to go find the solution to the... Let's to hire that. the seven dwarves to chisel our way through this thing. Yeah, and if they wake up the dragon, that's their fault. Yeah, that's... The that's, dragon will fall back asleep by the time we get there. That's the seven dwarves problem. Yeah, seven dwarves <laughs> problem, not mine. Because if the GM's got an idea of how to do it, then the person we hire will know how to do it. So my thing that I was going to say is I've actually run into this in a more adversary pattern yeah. where nothing we could do would create a good outcome of a situation. Now, this happened, it so happened in a Shadowrun game, which uh, is detrimental if you lose. I mean, I, people who play Shadowrun would totally agree with me that yeah. if you if you don't get out of a job, if you're not going out completely jacked, you well, are losing tons of money, which is a big else, deal. getting cuffed and ending up with a sin. A sin, That's right, the end right, of your right. career. So I ran into a game where I played through a scenario where... We spent 
way too much. And if you listen to the AP, I complained about like a, a political slog or like a planning slog. This is one of the games I was talking about that is just like a nightmare in my brain that plays over and over again. We spent hours planning this thing, probably not hours, but it felt like it to get through and we still couldn't get through unscathed because all this dude wanted to do was torture us. He didn't care about like our brilliant plan. No matter what plan we had, we were going to fail. See, I just, so the listeners are clear, you need to celebrate the suffering and the awfulness (laughs) of your players. I don't disagree with that. But if we spend a ton of time, but you have to provide them an opportunity for victory and you have to celebrate those victories and you need to high five along when your players beat the bad guy. And, mm. you know, you can't yeah, well, just there's... even in a grimdark like 40K game, like yeah. I feel like you need that, you know, if... in order to feel like you need to continue on rather than be like, well, the world still sucks. It's but like, well, I know that. Why bother? Well, yeah. <laughs> if every if every decision that you make, if every judgment that you make as the game master is against the players, it's not fun. And this example, the the situation that you're referring to, is a microcosm of that. But, I mean, imagine behaving that way all game, every 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 decision. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm out. Well, I'm out. There's a different issue. I did rage quit that game. Yeah. There's a different (laughs) issue that is not the issue in this game, but I have dealt with this in other games under other GMs, where their GMing technique is the reverse of railroading. They come to the table with really no particular plot in mind, and they figure they're just going to fill time by obfuscating or obscuring Mm. or obstructing, love the alliteration there, every solution you come up with. Well, and I want to be clear here, that is not saying an improv GM, because there are people that come in with no plot, and, and they will manage. spin the plot while you're doing it right, and right. not put that in front of you. That's that, not what I'm talking no, about. No, I'm preempting that before you get yeah. angry people. I, I, I'm talking show for years. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, know, we know that good game master. I'm, That's not yeah, me. I'm talking about a <laughs> style of GMing that is a subset of the improv yeah. GM where all they do is improv obstructions. The goal here is you have to rob the bank, okay? Mm-hmm. But the game consists of you can't get an Uber to take you there. You once you get there, there's a metal detector. You can't get in with any of your firearms. Wait, 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 you wait, can't wait. once you're in there. The security guard picks you out as a suspect person and is about to call the police and gives you a cavity. And search. each one of these is like an hour to two hour nightmare to solve. And I have played under those gyms and wanted to freaking kill them at the table because that's not a plot. All right, so. In those scenarios, did you talk to those GMs? Or let me let me oh, say. Oh no, I'm more, totally passive aggressive. I just rage quit. <laughs> more apropos of this episode and this episode's advice, this particular GM in the three foot diameter hole scenario, has anybody actually spoken to them? I won't go into why. The answer is no, but there is a more healthy reason than simple passive aggressiveness here. There is a more socially functional, healthy reason why that I can't go into. So you're just going to have to take me at my word on this. But we are working on that. But that has to be strategized. But but now I can tell you my reason why I wouldn't. Because I'm too nice. Okay. (laughs) 
all right, but all right. So here's the thing: I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but in the long run, I, isn't I this individual it. going to benefit? Because here, I, I I hate hearing bad news. I hate hearing that I did something wrong. Recently, I spoke to an employee of mine, a former employee who has an important an employee for years who pointed out something that I did wrong that I knew I did wrong that I still feel fucking guilty about to this day years later right I yeah but, but I I guess I'm coming from a different perspective too because I don't jam so how dare I criticize do you eat at a restaurant no Yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. If, if our server sucked tonight, I don't care if you've never waited on the table. You can tell me when oh, someone yeah. is yeah. or is not a shitty server. Fair, fair, I've fair, never, right? I've never made a movie, but I can still tell you <laughs> tell movies you don't movie. like, and sometimes yeah. tell you why they. Didn't I can still work. tell you David Lynch sucks, and it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And you know, now that I'm gaming with you more often, it's going to become my mission to get you to GM something, I even if it's a one shot. Uh, because this planning. is only. The new Inspectors. AP is only the second game I've ever played with you. I kn- the first I game, we both died because Wild Magic went crazy and killed oh, yeah. all of us at the same time. Oh, this was that true. the explosion and fire? <laughs> yep. I've told that story a few times where it was Wild Magic roll and like a level three fireball dropped on us level one and two characters you know that was and wiped out the entire party. Someone was looking at a Wild Magic was a sorcerer i think that sorcerer. is sorcerer yeah and i that's one like the only thing that i banned from my game i said no because they're starting at first level and i'm like i'm not going to have the party get wiped because <laughs> of a magic i forgot about that roll <laughs> and i don't know but on the flip side if the wild magic consequences don't exist then why do you get the perks of it so i said no and now I, I know that this is not an easy thing to do as a game master but every situation that you're presenting to the players, it, it should have a reason that propels the narrative, right? So the scenario with the whole, just in this example, yeah, I would need to understand what exactly is the point of crossing from point A to point B, right? As you said, is to it get the, to ga- the dragon? Yeah, is it, what is the game that you're actually running getting in the way of the game that you want to run? And this tiny impediment, this little challenge of getting through the hole, it's getting in the way of me, the game master, wanting you to fight the dragon. Right? Yeah. Like the point right. is, is we go in and, and, and we encounter the dragon, whether it's a or fight or a it. negotiation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want to encounter dragon. So to me, that hole is inconsequential. Yes, it should be. And I really do think, and I've got to be careful here, because once again, I think the more information I give, the more unfair it is to the GM, and the more likely I am to... Give them away. Yeah, give them away. But I will say that I think in this particular situation, I really do believe it was an incidental, and by incidental, I mean localized to that moment in time, inflexibility on behalf of the GM that this was not railroading. This was not part of some larger issue or some broader problem with the game. It was they just, really did want you to get past it. Yeah. They, but they just could not plausibly swallow the answers we were coming up with. And rather than taking a step back and saying, this hole is just setting. It's not important. It is pure set dressing. This is not a puzzle. This is not a problem that's supposed to be a hurdle. I just need to say, you know what, whatever solution you come up with, 
It was set dressing. I wanted you to understand, hmm, there's a small hole. That means the dragon must be polymorphing. Interesting bit of information. But other than that, you guys get through the hole just fine and get on with the game. I really do think it was just an incidental inflexibility of the GM. I think the reason it set me off the way it did is because I had played under GMs who have a much more broad practice. Well, I mean, it was frustrating in the moment, even taken in a vacuum. But that aside, I have played under GMs where obstruction is their entire modus operandi to running a game. I don't want to get too into it because I don't want to out the individual. But was this person newer at running games? I was going to say rules is what I was worried about. Because knowledge. Because honestly, I I don't want to get in the car with my friend's children driving. And I don't know the age of this person, but what I'm saying is, is that no offense to these young drivers, they need to learn, but I don't need to go on a fucking road trip with them and be white knuckling it the whole goddamn time. I got in a car I, once with somebody who had gotten her license that day, and we immediately got in a wreck and got T-boned. Whoa. The first thing Allie. that, the first thing first that her all, parents- First of all, who gave her her driver's license? The first thing her parents asked me was, if you were driving, would the wreck have happened? Wow. That's a horrible position to be in where somebody asks you that because you have to make the decision of, I'm not going to throw my friend under the bus. I was going to say, I would be like, I'm not answering the question. Walk away. I mean, how good of a friend is it that they got you in a T-bone accident? But then (laughs) if this game master is new at running games, don't you... The wizened podcast yeah. advice. Don't you have an obligation on some moral level? Yeah. Dandolph of freaking yeah, gaming. The, the Dandolph. Dan, Dandolph. Dandolph of yeah, gaming. The Dandolph, yeah. Don't you, Dandolph, need to go to the Shire and... Coddle him? And- yeah. Well, and that's the thing. is That is something I am working on. I do not intend to take a passive approach to this. I do intend to do more than sit here and whine on the podcast. I do intend to actually address the situation. I need some time to figure out how because of some complicating factors that I'm not going to get into. But I I need some planning period, but I do intend to address this exactly for that reason. Because the Game Master's, well, they've got a whole complicated thing going on with their their marriages. Yeah, I gotcha. And so, oh, I didn't say that. But what? I, I don't know. I just the whole poly thing. It's complicated. <laughs> Look, the world is different now, Julia. Don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> but I, wow, people are gonna think I'm a horrible person because of Prodor over here. <laughs> no, no, that's a horrible person up. for being if a horrible think, person. Maybe. You think you're a bad person because of something I said? That's when you're a true piece of garbage. I mean, I just said that I'm too empathetic to like tell a GM that they're terrible. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna let them get worse. I am, and they're going to be toxic on multiple tables because you were too nice to fix it. I mean, I tell my or husband he's terrible. But I I think the reason I'm prepared to tell the story is not because the story's over. It's not because here is the problem, period. I think what I am trying to do in the course of describing this is to appeal to the people who are GMing to ask themselves a question. Look, if we have been spending 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes on something And you're like, this is not the meat and potatoes of the story I'm trying to tell. This is not important to the narrative I'm trying to tell. 
I need to let this go. And I'm speaking here to the GMs that are listening. Be prepared to let an issue go and to say, you know what? We're not even going to figure out. It doesn't matter. Somehow you guys get through that hole. You got through the hole. You squeeze through it against all odds. You all squeeze through it. I don't know how. I'm not going to explain it. It doesn't really matter because it's not what the story's about. Once you grab onto something, you have to be able to let go of it. It's the monkey trap. There are ostensibly some monkeys that you can trap and dispose of because they will reach into a gourd that is cut with a hole only large enough to accept their hand to grab a piece of fruit inside where once their hand is on the fruit, they cannot remove it. And so they end up stuck in that gourd because they are so fixated on that piece of fruit that you then do whatever to them. And don't get caught in a monkey trap. If you are noticing your players are frustrated, you've been spending too much time on this, and this is not what the plot is about, then let it the F go. If this is what your plot is about, and you're two hours into this and they're not getting it, go back to the three-clue rule. Have you followed the three-clue rule? They aren't thinking like you are. Even if you did follow the three-clue rule, they're not getting it. They're just getting frustrated. They need a clue by four. Yeah. Except what? A clue by four. Clue by four. Oh. You take a clue by four to the head. Yeah, you have an gotcha. NPC explain it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Or I didn't hear it. <laughs> you either hand them the solution or you accept a just so solution because the juice is not worth the squeeze. Right. Because what you're getting out of this is not worth the disruption it's causing at your table. And so that is really what I'm trying to get at with this show is not simply to vent at a GM that I do indeed need to talk to, but it's to plead with the other GMs listening to not fall into this trap. Well, and honestly, it makes me consider as a game master, what is my motivation for the challenge? Whatever yeah. that challenge... Why is it in there at all? What, what is the motivation for the encounter? Why is it there? And if it's not furthering the story or, or, or failure isn't interesting, then I need to reconsider why it's there in the first place. Well, yeah, you it, have to look at it like a video game, too. Like, a video game is never going to... Unless you're playing Dark Souls or anything related. They're never going to put an obstacle in front of you you can't get through. Yeah. Right? And, and so... People play video games vastly because you can get through those obstacles. So like when you're planning, this is coming from a non-GM person clearly, but if you're planning it, you should plan it like that. There should always be a solution to every problem they encounter because if not, why is that fun? Like I want to die when I play Dark Souls. Sorry for all the listeners who do it, but I can't get... Well, you're in luck. You do. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. (laughs) (laughs) I can't... I can't play those games because it's just such a slog of failure yeah you know that nobody wants to play that game yeah well and I some mean, like people t- enjoy that challenge sure but you know what in that case that's what you set out to do that right. was the game that was the game the dark soul this series and all of its spinoffs like bloodborne Sekiro. apparently the new one Elden Elden Ring. Ring is yeah i mean that's a completely what, different game out there darkest dungeon but darkest that's what dungeon. you set out for yeah you know going into it the, you are probably gonna die yeah, a lot the torment <laughs> of the path to them, which mm-hmm. is fine, sweetens the victory. That is the game. It's like playing a Brodor game. Sometimes get just through the it. graphic celebration of suffering. But you just have to get through it. Never but, care for a Brodor NPC. I, That'll only break so, your heart. But, I want to play but, in a Brodor game so like, bad. For example, Jew, let me give you an example yeah. that you can relate to. I know you can relate to. Which oh, is gosh. in Final Fantasy X. Uh, okay, yeah. The ultimate weapons, there's some of them you get. 
Yeah. There's some of them where you're like, screw that. Yeah, the freaking lightning one. Yeah. No. 200 in a row no. without failing one jumping <laughs> lightning. It is no. not worth it. It is not worth it. It is not worth I've it. I've tried it. I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. I needed lots of booze to get through that. And I was not old enough to drink. And yeah, it's just not worth it because that's not what you set out to get out of a Final Fantasy X game. Now, imagine, imagine if instead of an optional ultimate weapon, that was a plot critical mission. You could not no, advance the game would, without doing would, the 200 lightning jumps. It. I would yeah, have left it exactly. in a heartbeat. You'd have ditched it in a heartbeat. Same reason it took me so many tries to get through Final Fantasy VIII. Because the draw system was so oh. tedious that I had to get to drinking age before I could beat Final Fantasy yep. VIII. I would agree with that. Because the draw system was so tedious. Or like if you think about it in like other terms, it's like if you have a game where it offers like the insane mode, it's like why? Well, and once again, if you pick the insane mode and that's an I, option. Yeah, I guess it's an option. True. Great. But have a normal mode and have an that easy mode. That you can mode. get through, right. So if people who want the story but aren't that good at... You know, I mean, one example, and this is where we'll close the show, I guess, is when Mass Effect 3 came out, they added a storyteller mode mm-hmm. or something to that effect. I don't even think you really fought, right? Yeah, it basically either removed or drastically lowered the difficulty yeah. of all combat so you could simply experience the story of the Mass Effect I think it was like a one-shot series. kill on everybody. Yeah, or something to yeah, that effect. it was something pretty low. And a lot of optional combat they removed. And, man, some people just flip their lid over that. Like, how dare you include that? And I'm sitting there like, dog, it's an optional play mode. I didn't play it because it sounds boring to me. Yeah, but somebody who maybe it, a kid wants to play and they're not good at yeah, the game. But the person sitting next to me who's a kid or an older person or someone with a disability or just someone who doesn't enjoy fighting games wants to experience the story of mass effect without the combat why do i care it's not my problem if i could do a story mode for the first dishonored game oh (laughs) i would do it in a second oh i would agree because i don't like the mechanics of the game but i love the story i I say that about assassin's creed too i had to save scum the crap out of dishonored one not because i couldn't play it but because of the game glitches Dishonored 2 substantially better in that regard. But The only game that I have done the saves coming for was it Red Dead 2? Oh. Where the same button to talk to somebody was the button to pull your gun out and shoot <laughs> oh, him in the face. Man. Dude, that one button did everything. I they, had they had, say, it I, might as well have been an Atari controller because one button did yeah. basically everything. I had the same thing with, with Assassin's Creed, like the original. It was like the same button let you run up a pole as not. And so you're like, great, I guess I'm running up this pole while eight people are chasing me yeah. to nowhere. And you meant to like throw a bomb or something. Yeah. yeah. And Red Dead is like, you saunter up to the bar and you need or intend to talk to the guy there. And instead you blow his brains out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. I do not revert to saves when I play through a game. I did on, ma- on I only Red did Dead. I on my second yeah. playthrough. I only do it on my second playthrough. My first playthrough, I don't. But All right. So- anyway. That's where we're going to sign this one out. Once again, check the show notes. We'll have stuff on the three clue rule, stuff on fear of the con, and don't frustrate your players. Yes. Kill their characters. Oh, man. Don't do that. Don't kill their characters. Kill your players. Yes. Murder. Like, like stab them. We do not, and we do not encourage PC death. We encourage P death. Real death. Yes. (laughs) So, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2022. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. 
You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.